Welcome to the Life in the Front Office podcast powered by Brain Fuel. Brain Fuel is a cerebral beverage that helps you find your flow state, enhance mental focus, and cognitive endurance. Elevate the brain and the body. To get yours, visit brainfuel.com, B-R-E-I-N, fuel.com, and enter the code LIFO15 at checkout for your 15% off discount, L-I-F-O-1-5, and enjoy today's episode. Welcome to today's episode on Life in the Front Office podcast powered by Brain Fuel here with Justin Papadakis, the COO and Chief Real Estate Officer of the USL. Looking forward to talking with him a little bit about what's ahead for the USL, uh, a lot of new stadiums uh, to be built at some point here in the near future, um, and, and really looking forward to building upon our episode with Lizzie and with Brett as part of um, kind of a little transition you know we talked with brett about uh there's their new venue in rhode island that's getting built and then obviously the new stadium in phoenix with the rising so justin really excited to have you on welcome thanks for having me look forward to uh talking soccer and stadiums uh today absolutely so just uh real quick before we hop into you know kind of the the nitty-gritty of how all that works you were a Duke soccer player, um, so soccer is kind of in your your you know past and background. But you didn't have the traditional kind of uh, how you get into sports and you know people moving up into different um, places. Just talk a little bit about how you got into where you are right now and um, what you've learned along the way. So when I was, uh, as you mentioned, had a fantastic time playing at at Duke, and but always knew that my passion was on the business side. Um, around uh, towards the end end of my college career, I was looking to see what uh, the next steps were going to be for me. And I was in LA and saw uh, the LA Live project. And for for the audience who who haven't had the chance to go there, I think it was one of the kind of seminal projects that really showed the potential for the marriage of real estate and sports. And I thought, wow, that that is something that really interests me. And I, I could see directionally how uh, having that sports and entertainment anchored uh, district uh, could really be something around the country. And so I wanted to get some, uh, my, my next step, I knew I wanted to get some background in, in traditional real estate development economics. It's a, it's a field I didn't have a lot of uh, background knowledge on, uh, wasn't able to take any classes on it in, in college. And so it's something that I wanted more experience with. And I think what's really cool about real estate is you can really see it come alive uh, from, you know, from the ground up, you know, literally. And, and, and so I had a great experience working <clears throat> for uh, one of the, the top uh, retail power anchored uh, center developers around the country. And uh, during that time, uh, while I was working, I also went to law school uh, so I could really better understand, you know, and knew that there was significant legal aspects uh, to real estate and to sports. And so that prepared uh, me well for, for my current role uh, here at USL Today. Did you know that you wanted to get back into sports once you went into that real estate world to learn that? Or were you like, I'm going to go into the real estate world, see where it goes, see what I can learn, and who knows what the next opportunity will be? 
You know, I think once once you have the chance to you know be be in sports, it's really hard to leave it. Uh, and I always felt that coming back into sports on the business side is where I could really make a contribution to the sport. Uh, I was I was a good player with a with a great coach growing up uh, with my dad who was a who was a really good player. So I, I was fortunate in in that. But I knew that really my contribution to the game that I love so much uh, would have to be for me to make a big impact would have to be on the business side. And and so always wanted to come back in. Um, fortunately, uh, also coinciding with uh, with me graduating from college, my my dad and, and his partner, Rod Hoskins, who uh, came from the real estate background, which is also a good you know influence for me. Um, they they purchased USL, uh, and it was a you know pretty small operation at that time. And so they set the trajectory for uh, where where we are today. And you know my role when uh, when I came in uh, about five years later uh, was that we started to move into uh, the long term goal of of having you know top ten league in the world. And to do that, the foundational aspect is stadium. So that was really my, my you know, my central project was to go out and start, uh, you know, literally kind of laying the foundation for the, you know, 40 to 60 stadiums that we would need uh, to, to have two of the top 10 leagues in the world. Um, and I think we've executed on it. And and the past, uh, you know, four or five years, that is lead up to today, where you're to start seeing, you know, from now to the end of the year and, and early uh, 22, um, I would say probably the, the largest stadium expansion uh, rollout of any league in the world in, in that time period by, by number of projects. So it's, it's really exciting. We get to work with a lot of great uh, city partners and ownership partners, um, and uh, to make to make that happen, and uh, it's it's really a you know dream come true to come to work every day, to you know help have this you know be a small part of you know making a a, a big impact in uh, in the game we all love and care about. We've had a lot of different guests on where you know they've been a part of like a stadium project or an arena project as kind of one of the staples of their careers, right? Or, or they get to kind of work on that project from start to finish. And, you know, some have, have been with legends, right? And granted, these are, you know, maybe larger stadiums, but at the same time, they get to work on one. You mentioned 40 to 60. I mean, just having the insight into how that many different stadium projects develop. I mean, that's got to be A, uh, pretty interesting just to understand how they're different in each market, but B, uh, I mean, you get to kind of have a, a different stamp on each one and the way they look and, and feel and all that. What's been the biggest surprise for you as you've gotten to work on a lot of these, whether there's a similarity, a difference, um, kind of that aha for you as you've, as you've you know, been able to build a bunch and looking at that expansion, like you mentioned. No, it's a, it's a great point. And, and so we made, a, I think, a, a critical decision because of what the the pace of rollouts that that we knew that we had to achieve and that was uh for the league to take a 
you know, very proactive role in starting all these uh, stadium discussions and sometimes, you know, going uh, all the way up to, uh, you know, the, the final financing uh, stage. And so it's been uh, a lot of work, a lot of travel, but what I've, you know, what surprised me um, in a positive way is just how, uh, how dedicated, how intelligent, and how passionate our city and community partners are about their communities. Um, they um, just, you know, as an example, over COVID, um, obviously there was a lot of uncertainty, health uncertainty, um, job uh, and financial insecurity, uh, insecure, uh, insecurity. And we accelerated so many projects uh, during COVID because of the great work of our city partners. And they really put the time and effort, you know, around the clock to make sure that these um, deals happen because they, they saw the value um, of having professional sports and in particular soccer to their communities. So, you know, we call our stadium, you know, the kind of community living room and these transformational projects that, that we're doing, the benefit extends well beyond the field of play. So in economic terms uh, to the surrounding areas, the thousands of construction jobs, the thousands of permanent jobs uh, and, the, and the, you know, tens of, and hundreds of millions of dollars of residual uh, economic impact that will come from the stadium uh, and all of the events that will have to the surrounding bars, restaurants, hotels, shops, et cetera. So it's definitely one of the, the parts of my job I cherish the most is getting to visit uh, with these communities on, on a daily basis almost. You know, I, uh, I have a very uh, amazing wife uh, who, who lets me you know, travel three weeks uh, out of the month. And it's uh, because you know, even she, she knows how, how important these projects are to our communities. So um, that, that for me has been the most pleasant surprise and everyone's bought in now on soccer. So you're, you're, we'll have a World Cup in 22. And when we look at the World Cup coming in 26, the difference between 2026 and 1994 um, is going to be just in the USL 70 plus soccer specific stadiums. And not to mention the great work that the MLS is doing um, uh, and the NWSL is doing. So the soccer community um, on the pro side is coming together. And we just think we just think that um, you know we're 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 really blessed to be you know to to be a part of uh, growing the game in the country. I mean the the economic impact, like you mentioned, is is obviously substantial. But you know when you're looking at let's dive into a little bit of the nitty gritty, right? You know some of the fun real estate stuff that you can shine a light on. How do you know where to select a site, right? Which which cross streets? What's the area? What's the development need to look like? you know, how many um, bars, restaurants, apartments, whatever you're building around the stadium, how do you know what you're going to ultimately do in each and every market? 
I look, I understand there's a large, you know, probably strategic plan going into all this, right? But um, just when you get into a market and you go, okay, this is where we're planting the shovel. What's what's the process look like up to that to be able to say, yep, this is this is a spot. It's a great question, and uh, the the simple answer is that it takes years, um, in most cases, of dialogue with local stakeholders, whether it be the uh, elected officials, the philanthropic community, the business community, the soccer community, uh, to see where a stadium would work for the community and work uh, for, you know, for a professional soccer team. And so, and the common denominator between those um, typically is, you know, a, a piece of property where the stadium and you, typically a, a, a larger entertainment district um, with apartments and hotels and, and shops, um, that, that could be, you know, a transformational project for that area. And so we work, you know, really closely with our, um, with our governmental partners uh, to identify that land and, and then work to bring the whole, this is our teams, our community assets. And so we need to bring everyone together uh, to make it work. And so it's, uh, it's definitely more challenging um, than my previous job where, you know, we, we built Walmarts and Targets and uh, Nordstrom Rack, you know, anchored uh, centers, uh, retail centers, because there's something unique about a stadium. This needs, uh, we need public transportation because this is more than just soccer games. These are graduations, these are concerts, uh, these are festivals, you know, yoga, you know, you know having, having yoga on the field, having watch parties. Uh, we, we really need to um, make sure that this stadium is accessible for everyone and uh, that it has that economic impact. So just compared to the stadiums built 30, 40, 50 years ago, where they would build them um, with, you know, acres and acres and acres of, of surface parking lots around them. And so the issue with those in our, in our view and, um, you know, the view of you know, I think the modern view of uh, stadium anchor developments today is that those, uh, the, the main issue with those project is people come and uh, just went to the game and, and left. And so we want um, people not only, especially in soccer, we have a two hour fixed window. We want people to come down before, spend time in the community, eat at the bars and restaurants, come to the game. And hopefully for the, you know, the, the, the younger uh, crowd that they're going back out afterwards um, and going, you know, going to the bars and restaurants and, and again, creating economic impact uh, for all those uh, bars and restaurants, which are really important stakeholders um, in, in our communities, especially coming out of COVID when those sectors in particular uh, were, were impacted greatly. Yeah, we had an episode a while back with Tom Fox and kind of you know, the, the San Jose earthquakes at the time and, you know, the kind of just the, the understanding of how, to your point, a lot of these stadiums were built out in the suburbs, right? And it was like, everyone's got to travel out to the suburbs. But then from your, your perspective of the accessibility, being in kind of a centralized, uh, maybe more downtown type location, um, 
you know, a little bit different in terms of the fan base you're attracting as well, potentially. And so how do you factor in where a certain demographic of people are as opposed to where the stadium is and then who's most likely to travel in and, and how and, and all of that? So what's great about soccer is I think we, we definitely have a younger demographic. Um, and so being downtown, being Uberable or scooterable, um, or right along public transportation lines, uh, that, you know, that's where, uh, habits are changing a, a lot. And so, um, it's definitely something that we think about. Um, and it's also important for us to be a catalyst for, for change. So in so many markets we go to, um, there's, you know, a, a part of, of downtown, uh, typically that just, it, it's just waiting uh, to have uh, waiting, waiting to explode and, and waiting for investment. But you need, it's that kind of uh, situation, the chicken, the egg, you need people to have restaurants and you need restaurants that people. And so what stadiums can do um, is go down and it solves that equation, you know, that, that uh, kind of dilemma for uh, individuals looking to open restaurants, individuals looking to open bars and hotels and apartment buildings. And it brings this immediate critical mass uh, to parts of the city that um, have been neglected uh, from a private investment point of view. And so we, we take a lot of pride in, in helping to cause that, um, you know, that, you know, be that catalyst and it's something that our, our city partners and again, our, our corporate community um, has been really uh, excited and wanting us to, uh, to help do that. So uh, I know you had Brett Johnson on, it's a great example of, um, and it doesn't always have to be you know, downtown uh, in the strict sense of the word. So as you, know, you have Brett Johnson on, we're going up to Pawtucket and we are, you know, essentially creating a, an, an entire new entertainment district with critical mass, um, you know, in, uh, in, you know, amazing kind of su suburb city, but very proximate to, uh, to, to Providence. So um, we have, you know, dozens of examples uh, right across the country of that happening. And it's just um, so rewarding to see, you know, be on the front end, and then, you know, similar was at the, the opening game in Colorado Springs a couple months ago now. And to see, you know, a stadium transform kind of the southern part of, of downtown. And there's going to be, you know, half a billion dollars plus of initial investment uh, around the stadium. And then there's uh, an old uh, factory that's being de decommissioned. That'll probably be another, you know, half, half a billion dollars at least an additional development uh, that's going to create a thriving new south of downtown. So again, it's, it's humbling uh, to be a part of, of, you know, these cities and, and just the, the economic uh, impact that, that we're, we're able to, you know, bring uh, to our, you know, amazing city partners around the country. Yeah, definitely a lot of cities that I'm sure you never had been to before, but then got to experience and, um, I know 
I'm at 40 states. I'm sure you might be closer to 50 um, at this point now, but you know, really just getting to see a lot of these different cities, you know, outside of right your your LA's and your New York's and Chicago's, right? There's so many unique cities out there across the country and each and every one has a different community, different culture, different style. Um, it, it's, it's certainly going to be interesting to watch as they kind of all develop as you're talking about the expansion. Um, you, I want to go back to something you mentioned earlier. You travel three weeks out of every month. Um, that's obviously a lot, but for someone who is, you know, always you know, switching probably from city to project to, to, to project in terms of just your mental capacity and kind of what you're working on, right? Understanding um, all the different players and, and having to go from one thing to the next. Talk a little bit about just how you've evolved in that world and what maybe what, you know, whether it's a skill or something that you've learned to adapt to that kind of lifestyle from a working perspective. Well, I think the, the, the short answer to that is you have to have a really good team. Um, so with, with Dan Holman, Matt Rita, um, they've really helped me scale and really helped uh, our league uh, be able to tackle all these markets at once. And so uh, they're my, you know, there are two, you know, vice presidents of, of real estate and an expansion. And so We've had a, uh, I've had the great fortune of, of, of having them and we've been able to kind of di divide and, and conquer. Um, and it's, it's, it's different working on the road because uh, we also have a lot going on here at USLHQ. Um, and in my COO role, uh, this is equally as important um, as our expansion team. So learning how to, how to operate on an airplane, make use of that time. Uh, but again, it's, it's really a, a, a pleasure, uh, to, to be honest with you, to, to go to our markets and see the, um, the, the teams that we've assembled uh, to work on these projects on a day-to-day -day basis. And so, you know, in each market, we probably have at least a, a dozen uh, individuals that are um, are leading our our day-to-day -day efforts, and so almost all of them are are volunteers, and they they just want to have a, they just believe in their city so much, and they believe in the economic and uh, overall impact that uh, a USL team would have. And we work with, with, with I said, as I said, at least you know, a dozen people or, or more in markets um, to over a period of you know, two to five years to make, to make it happen. And so a great you know, example of this is in Spokane uh, with Cindy Wendell, who was the leader of our uh, group on the ground. And she's just an exceptional, an exceptional individual. Um, and we ultimately hired her uh, to uh, be the president of the team. And I think and she'll be one of the top sports exec executives uh, in the country uh, over the next year. And she just cares deeply about her community. This is not just a job for her. This is something that she wants to do for her community. And it just so happens that 
you know, it's her full-time job now. And so it's, uh, it's just amazing the amount of people you get to meet. Um, and, uh, it's, uh, something you learn how to, how to, how to deal with. Um, and it's, it's, it's not, you know, it's a long hours, but it's just, it, it's so much fun. And, uh, again, it's just, uh, you know, humbled to be, to, to play a part and, and get to meet all these great people. And, uh, and the byproduct is we get to build a lot of stadiums. Uh, but most important thing is, is just the, the long-term economic impact that, that we're, uh, bringing to all of our communities. No, certainly huge. And, and, you know, one story uh, is multiplied by 30, 40, 50, I'm sure, in each and every community, right? It's just one example. But um, as we transition into, the, into our brain fuel segment to wrap up, you know, you mentioned kind of just the, the, the travel and how you go about each day being a team effort. But how do, you, how do you mentally prepare for each day? And is it different working in sports than it was working in the real estate world when you were? Yeah, so when, how, how I start each day, I'm, I'm definitely a, an early morning person. And I, I try to spend uh, 45 minutes to an hour, you know, reading uh, about, about business. So I just have a real strong interest in, in business profiles and just learning how companies that can be, you know, and, and usually are very different uh industries, very different problems, usually, you know, larger companies from a, you know, from a, from a, a P&L perspective, but seeing how they go through and navigate, navigate problems and opportunities is something that I think um, it, it really helps me start my day uh, and, 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 con you know, continue education. Um, but it's usually my day starts, you know, with a, a 6 a.m. flight. And so it's something that I can kind of ease into my day by, by getting up at 4.30. And, uh, and it's something I, I really enjoy and, and cherish. And then I can start, start in on, you know, the uh, significant amount of, amount of emails. But that's how I start my day. And, it, and it's, I found that it's really helped me, uh, you know, transition, but more importantly, uh, become, you know, a better, you know, business executive uh, by, by reading about, uh, you know, what people that I, that I, uh, really respect and how, how they've navigated through their, their own business challenges. Yes. A lot of the problems all come back to maybe, you know, some of the same concepts too, that you might be able to apply when you talk about kind of how you structure your day and being able to be productive, a, what's your definition of productivity and, and kind of what's your, uh, secret sauce to being productive, you know, day in, day out, especially with travel, you know, potentially taking a toll on you. So especially with, you know, kind of my, my role between our, the COO role and, and, and my real estate role, we just have a significant number of people um, just even on the real estate side, you know, between 35 markets and, you know, 10 to 50 people per market. Um, it's, it's something that every project is kind of moving at a different pace. Um, and so it's really preparing, uh, for scheduling out those, uh, different, uh, stakeholders that, that I need to speak with, uh, during a given day. And particularly because a lot of my day revolves around flights is, is making sure that, 
um, every opportunity, uh, especially um, it's great when I'm on the West Coast uh, because then I can, you know, get up early and, and, and get to the airport, you know, around five and I can, I can get a lot of calls in. So um, I think it's just scheduling out, but I would say most importantly, it's having a great team and support network around you. We've at the USL office now, uh, now we're up to 80 and probably pushing 90 people by the end of the year. We've developed uh, just an incredible group of executive vice presidents, uh, senior vice presidents, vice presidents, uh, directors, managers. Uh, so we really have a first class organization um, that can help us navigate and do so many things at once. Uh, no one can no one can do it all by themselves. And what we've uh, I think done a great job at is is hiring great people. Um, and 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 they they have executed at a very high level. And uh, that to, that's the way to be most efficient is have is have a great team around you. What's one thing as we as last question for you, what's one thing that you learned from the real estate world that people in sports wouldn't know uh, that you just found most interesting about whether it's Walmart's targets, uh, Nordstrom's uh, shopping centers, so on? Well, I think, and it's a lot more complicated than this, but uh, the, the bigger the project, sometimes the less expensive, um, if you want to, you know, quantify like that, a stadium project can be um, because of mechanisms with TIF, uh, tax increment finance. Um, if we can have a larger project that's generating more total dollars, um, we can build a, a better stadium and a better stadium uh, has more revenue uh, more revenue opportunities with it, within it that can support a better stadium. So it's understanding the, the financing of them and, and how that now as an investable league uh, from a uh, municipal partner perspective that we can uh, build a stadium that's a first-class venue, uh, but also cost engineer it uh, in, in a way that um, really makes financial sense for, for, for our cities. And so uh, it's, it's, it's exciting uh, to work on. And I think, again, when you come to uh, over the next four years, uh, I know you've, you've traveled to 40, 40 states and would encourage you to revisit a lot of those. Uh, because we're going to have amazing venues that look a lot of different shapes and sizes. Uh, but one thing's for sure is there's not going to be a bad seat in the house. And uh, every game is going to be sold out. Uh, and uh, the, the soundtrack of those games uh, is going to be as good as, as any sporting event uh, in the United States. So would uh, encourage you and, and your listeners to, to come by um, one, one of our matches. Uh, because we're we're building some great teams, great brands, um, and uh, and we have just exceptional uh, players uh, who are you know the the future of soccer in the United States and around the world. No, fantastic! I know uh, I know I've got Brett to bug in terms of uh, getting Rhode Island off the list of of ten remaining. So absolutely, um, certainly, certainly, we'll build that one in. Justin, really appreciate your insights, perspectives. 
um, and, and just everything from an advice perspective uh, around kind of the real estate and, and stadium project um, landscape. Uh, certainly looking forward, obviously, to what's to come. Uh, and, and as you build kind of over the next four years leading up to, to 2026 in the World Cup, um, appreciate it. And la last thing I appreciate it. And last thing I'd say is um, one thing that you can always count with USL is at the league office and at our teams is that that we're hiring. Um, and we, we're, we're a really, we're a growth business. Um, and it's one of, I think, most compelling aspects of working at the USL league office um, is that between the league office and the teams, um, if you want to work in sports, um, there is going to be, and no matter almost uh, what state you live in across the country, uh, we're going to have a USL team there or close by. And so I think getting in, um, whether you're in, in sports right now or looking to get into sports, uh, this is a way that you can really get a larger portfolio of responsibilities and be part of building something. And uh, if, you're, if you're a builder um, and you see the value of you know, building an enterprise, uh, you know, I think USL is the place for you. So uh, you know, keep, keep that in mind. And I think we have seven or eight job openings you know, even right now. So uh, being in sports, is, is, there's nothing like it. And we hope that you know, you'll consider you know, look, look into USL. Awesome. Thanks, Justin. Appreciate Thanks. it. See ya. Thanks for listening to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast powered by BrainFuel. Remember, you can get 15% off your next purchase at brainfuel.com, B-R-E-I-N, fuel.com, with the code LIFO15, L-I-F-O-1-5 at checkout. And if you like BrainFuel, give us a shout out comment, share, and leave a review.